Welcome to PDPW's podcast. Welcome to another podcast, and it's podcast two, or the second part of learning how to become a better fighter, or maybe learning how to become a different fighter. And I'm going to go through a, a bunch of ideas on things you can do to become a better fighter, become a, a different fighter than maybe what you've been in the past. And it's still connected to learning. So today we're going to learn some positive or some, some proactive steps that we can take to change how we fight, how we communicate, how we win with other people. So Pam and I have been married for 39 years now. And I've learned some things about marital fights. We're much different today than what we were 35 years ago as far as how we communicate, how we deal with tough situations. And all of us, all people, have tough situations, have tough circumstances, have challenges that we need to overcome. And a lot of times those challenges are with people. So I want to give you some ideas that we've learned and we've put into practice over these past 39 years of marriage. We also have a family business that includes both of our children and a son-in-law and, of course, a number of other employees. I've been involved with lots of boards and committees and other teams. So I've, I've seen, witnessed, been a part of this, this topic that we're talking about Communication and fighting to win. So the first thing I'm going to tell you, or the first point that I want to bring up, is that I think it's important to have a fighting plan. Well, that might sound strange. Who has a a fighting plan? Well, I can assure you, when uh, you take any sport, whether it's a boxer, a football team, soccer team, doesn't matter what the sport is. They put lots of time and effort in in strategizing and developing a plan. And that plan is built around winning. And we talked about that in the last podcast, and I'm not going to go there. But you do want to become a better fighter. You want to win from the standpoint of having a positive or a good outcome with your communication. So that needs to be a part of the plan. So here's this first really important point about having a fighting plan. So Pam and I have a plan. We, have a, we, we know how we're going to communicate through tough situations. For example, one boundary, one rule, one point is there's no fighting allowed. Fighting from the standpoint that we're just looking to win. We're looking to overpower the other one either with the type of words that we use, the body language or, or actions. You know how it is when you get into a really tough conflict, tough argument, a fight, and emotions get involved and, and uh, voices start to, to rise. and it, None of that really helps with a positive outcome. So that's a boundary. No fighting, only learning. Our objective, our plan is to learn. When we get into a tough conflict, whether it's Pam and I or with our kids or anybody else, the objective is to learn. No flaming arrows. 
And when I talk about flaming arrows, if you can think about or envision uh, cities many, many thousands of years ago, they would build walls around their cities to protect them. And they would have uh, huge gates. Nobody could get into these cities. So they were protected from their enemies. So sometimes the enemy would take arrows. They didn't have drones and airplanes and all of the technology and artillery that we have today to fight. So the armies, the fighters would take bow and arrows and they would put something at the tip of their arrow that was flammable that they could light. And then they would shoot those flaming arrows over the top of the wall and into the city hoping that it would land on something flammable and get the city burning, which would cause them to have to open the gates either to let people out or to somehow bring help in, which allowed then the enemy to race into that city. So what does that have to do with with fighting with people in our arguments and in our conflicts? Well, a flaming arrow is something that comes out of our mouth, comes out of our body, either tone of voice, actions, or whatever, that's intentionally designed to hurt the other person. Now, don't, don't tell me that that's never happened. Especially with the people closest to us. We know how to push their buttons. We can say something very calm and gentle, but we know that just saying that is going to hurt the other person. Or we can use words that, that really words alone shouldn't hurt another person, but we can add tone of voice and body language and action to it to cause intentional hurt to another person. No flaming arrows allowed. Now, I, I understand that many of us have habits surrounding communication, conflict, fighting. And sometimes we don't even realize what we're doing. We may have seen our parents do it. We may have picked it up from somebody else, another family member, or somewhere else in our life, and now it's become a subconscious habit, and we don't even realize what we're doing. So if somebody else is, is throwing flaming arrows, we have to be able to, to talk about that to be able to, to communicate this concept of flaming arrows and, and that's going to be in our plan, that we're not going to allow this to happen. We're not going to have any flaming arrows in our communication. And then when a flaming arrow comes or leaves, we need to be able to say, wait a minute, that's a flaming arrow. Can we talk about that? Can we not do that? That really hurts me when that happens. Next one, no responding without listening. This should be in the plan, the fighting plan. So many times we get caught up in listening to respond. And it should be listening to understand. Listening is extremely important communication. As a matter of fact, I think it's far more important than our speaking skills. Especially when it comes to learning. The only time we learn is when we listen. I would say that we never learn 
when we speak unless we listen to what we speak or how we speak. And I've done some training on, on learning to listen and seeking to understand, and there's a number of different levels of listening, and most people are at level one, which is words only. We listen to the words only. And then usually it's listen to the words so that we can start to prepare our response. Not listen to the words so that we can truly understand the person, which is where level two listening comes into play. Level two listening not only brings in the words, but also causes us to focus on body language, to focus on the tone of voice, and even to be able to go much deeper, to be able to listen or to seek to understand what's not being said. And that's extremely powerful. If in our communication, especially with those people who are closest to us, which sometimes are the worst fights because we know how to hurt them, if instead we really focused on seeking to understand and try to understand what they're not saying, they might be saying how hurt they are, how angry they are, how frustrated they are. But we're not seeing that they're hurt, that there's something that's really bothering them, that's something deep in there that they're just either not able to express or just don't know how to express. That's level two listening. And if we really want to learn, we need to, or we have the opportunity, and it's a really good idea to try to become a level two listener. Another thing in our fight plan no yelling. We all know what yelling is. I think we can all classify what yelling is. But here again, we may not understand that we're already habitually raising our voice when we communicate with certain people. And it may be some of those people closest to us. No bad language. In our fight plan, there's no swearing. There's no bad language allowed. However, I need, need to put in another note or maybe a disclaimer here. Because sometimes we, we build up so much stuff. People, there's people who, who take things in. They're hurting on the inside. And they never tell anybody. They never talk to anybody. And all of that stuff just keeps building inside. And they become like a, like a teapot or like a, a large balloon and it just keeps building with pressure. And all of a sudden, some event finally tips it off and that one event, that one thing that happened really isn't enough to, to justify what comes out because they just explode. And it's because they've carried all of this stuff for so long. And sometimes when they explode on that moment, that's when you get all of the, the yelling, the bad language, the just the really bad fighting, strife, conflict kind of communication. I'm not saying that's okay. But if that's what we need to have happen to start down this road, to start down the process of healing and to help that person understand it's not okay, it's not right, it's not a good idea to keep all of that stuff in. 
to start to, to strategize from that event that just happened, which is what I'll bring up as the next important point. So that was, that was all have a fighting plan. Think about your fighting plan. Start to establish one. And if, and if you don't want to take time right now to sit down and, and make one out, then the next time you have a conflict, next time you have a fight, you have a communication failure. Do this next step. And that's learn from your failures. John Maxwell has a book, Sometimes You Win and Sometimes You Learn. And he talks about learning from our losses, learning from our failures. And failures can be an awesome place to learn. Because that failure was an uncomfortable experience. If you have that communication, that fight, and you don't want it to happen again, and I hope you wouldn't, then you should not right in the middle of the conflict or fight, but when you've resolved things or things have calmed down enough, you sit down and ask the question, what can we learn? What can we do differently so this doesn't happen again? And it's been an extremely powerful question that Pam and I have used in our marriage, in our family, in our business, and still get used heavily today. One of my favorite questions. What do we need to do differently so this doesn't happen again? Next point. Some really important words that I think needs to be used regularly so that it's not, it's not a fight. First three words. I am sorry. Be willing to apologize. Be quick to apologize. You don't, somebody doesn't have to prove, you don't have to go to court, you don't have to have a trial. If you hurt the other person, just apologize. Doesn't cost anything. Can be done in a matter of seconds and com- can completely change the direction of the communication or the conflict that you're in. And then, of course, being quick to forgive. And you can forgive without the other person saying they're sorry. You can just automatically choose to forgive because really it has nothing to do with the other person. It has to do with your decision, your choice to not allow that other person or anybody else to hurt you by hanging on to unforgiveness. And then final three words, I love you. I get it. If you're, if you're going to use these nine words at work or in your community, on a board, on a committee, you, you maybe aren't going to want to use those three words. But in a marriage, with your kids, with people close to you, I don't see three better words to be using to close out or to to destroy that fight, that conflict. Here's another one that we have. Don't go to bed angry. Set a target, set a timeline, a a deadline. We're going to resolve this conflict before we go to sleep. Now, sometimes I get it, you, you need to walk away. Sometimes you get... a an argument, a conflict, a fight gets so heated and you just, you got to prevent yourself from saying more things that you shouldn't. It's okay to walk away. It's okay to take some time to think about it. However, you can't or shouldn't, in my opinion, just walk out. If you're choosing to, to take a time out and say, I need some time to digest this, to think about this, then you need to, to re- set another appointment to come back and take another shot at at communicating and resolving this. And in my opinion, it should be in less than 24 hours. You should never take more than 24 hours to resolve a conflict. 
Sometimes you're going to need to get help. Next point, if you need help, get it. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with getting help. There's nothing wrong with, with engaging another uh, professional or another family member, or another mentor, coach, or somebody who's gone through some stuff that's already in your life. It's, it's okay. It's part of the learning process. We've engaged lots of people in our marriage, in our family, in our business to help with this learning process over all of these years. Now I'm going to caution you or, or get you to maybe um, think about this when you, when you get help. Be careful about engaging help that is totally focused on the past. And they want to dig up all of the past hurts. They want to analyze all of the past problems you've had all the way through your life and the generations before you. And they spend so much time and effort focusing on the past. I think it's extremely important to think about the future, to think about having a picture of what you want it to look like. And then what steps, what can you do to get to that place? Far more rewarding and beneficial than digging up all of that stuff from the past. So you can learn by reading books, choosing to find a mentor or a coach. You can sign up for training. I get it, there's not lots of classes out there on this topic, but there are some. You can exercise humility. Let somebody else win. Intentionally, let somebody else win. I do that all the time when we're playing board games. Sometimes Pam gets mad at me if she knows I'm intentionally letting her win. But she's dealt with that and, and understands that I'm doing that because, because I care. I just love enjoying playing a game with her and I don't care if I win. Letting, letting somebody else have the last word. It's okay. Being wrong or making a mistake does not make you a bad person. Now, if you repeat those mistakes over and over again, the same mistake, that doesn't make you a bad person, but it makes you a person who should take some kind of steps so that it doesn't happen again. What did I or we learn from this so that it never happens again? So if someone or something is trying to kill you, fight. Fight with all you have. The other 99% of your life, in my opinion, should be less about fighting, less about needing to win, and more about learning. Because I seriously doubt that any of us have people in our lives that get up in the morning with a purpose or desire to kill us. Our world can use more love and less fight. Our thanks again to Hank Wagner for joining us this week on the PDPW podcast, and our thanks to you for listening. For archive podcasts and more on-demand programs, and for more on the professional development for today's dairy producer, head to PDPW's free website at pdpw.org. Have a great week.